Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's my privilege to introduce uh, Pastor Bruce Burgess. Bruce is my friend and a brother and my pastor uh, for over 20 years. He's blessed me and worked with me. He has served here in St. Catharines in Winnipeg and in Toronto, where he has recently retired after 20 years as senior pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church. He's a, he's a, a great leader and a good friend, husband to Audrey, and uh, a good father and an excellent grandfather. We have had the honor of working together in Brazil and Bolivia and Israel and Turkey and around Canada. We have traveled, sailed, swam, snorkeled, preached and taught, hiked and windsurfed together around the world. Uh, Not to mention getting some tummy troubles here and there as we've traveled. He has been an incredible caregiver to Sarah and I uh, for many, many years. And we are blessed that he has accepted the welcome to... uh, to be the speaker at our induction service today. So, uh, dear church family, please welcome Pastor Bruce Burgess. Greetings. It's really a delight to be here. In fact, this is something of a homecoming for me. Rob mentioned that I actually pastored at a church here in St. Catharines for seven years at Facer Street Baptist Church. Not that far from here, actually. Um, Rob and Sarah have been in Vancouver, as you know, and then I got this email that said he was, had accepted a call to Scott Street Church in St. Catharines. So I didn't know anything about Scott Street, so I googled uh, Scott Street Baptist Church. I didn't know they'd started. Well, there were only two when I was here, Facer Street and Queen Street. So I thought, well, it's probably a new work. You, you know that Rob is a Baptist, don't you? And, and did they tell you they were Mennonite brethren? I think it's a wonderful example that our unity is in Christ and not in a denomination. As Rob has said, I've known the two of them for... I've known, I knew of them before I met them. They were uh, missionaries in Kenya when I first started at Emmanuel. So I'd heard about them. They had a reputation. Sarah had a good reputation. <laughs> but they have both been very significant people in my life. Sarah um, has been my spiritual director. She was my spiritual director for my last number of years at Emmanuel. We served together on worship planning committees. And as Rob mentioned, we have done some international travel and ministry, uh, which has been lovely. And I'm really glad they're back, and and I'm glad Rob is back, because he's my IT guy. I am a little bit challenged in the internet division, so um, Rob Rob is my guy. Rob puts the G in geek. And I'm excited for all of you and this new chapter of your adventure together, uh, making Christ known in your community and in the wider world. So thank you, Rob, for asking, and thank you, Church, for accepting. Speaking of computers and the Internet, if only the Israelites had had a GPS at their disposal, 
the journey from Egypt to the promised land would have taken a whole lot less time. I can imagine Moses pulling up his laptop and, uh, and uh, seeing the words uh, MapQuest uh, wants to use your location and he would hit allow and then he'd hit enter and then he would type in the promised land and bada bing, bada boom, the directions would have been right there. I think it would have saved them about 39 and a half years. But there were no computers in that time. But they had something kind of similar, actually. Perhaps anticipating the invention of the internet, they had a cloud. (laughs) A cloud sent by God that would guide them to their destination. Whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out. So in effect, they had their very own divine GPS, God's I can't remember what the word is. Help me out here, Robbie. God's positioning system. That's what it is. But it raises an important question. How come it took them so long from point A to point B when they were being guided by God every day? Was God directionally challenged? I don't think so. And if you go look at an ancient map of that area and you look at where they started from in Egypt and where the promised land is, it's about 500 kilometers as the quail flies to get there. So there must have been some kind of a reason for the journey to take so long when they had God's guidance of every step of the way. And it's an important question for us to think about as well because we're we're followers, aren't we? We're Christ followers. We want to follow where Christ leads us. One of the very first words that Jesus spoke when he began his public ministry was, follow me to his disciples. In the Gospel of John, we're told that the sheep, God likens us to sheep, possibly the dumbest animals on the face of the earth, that the sheep follow Jesus' voice. They hear his voice and they follow him. And so Christ wants us to follow his voice and to take the paths that God intends for us. For the Israelites, they they had a visual. And wouldn't that be great? To get up each day and receive a visual from God, guiding us through the day. Using the, the cloud metaphor, it would be great to have an app on our computer and you hit that app in the morning and it says, okay, from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, I want you to do this, 9.30, do this, and set it all out before you. Wouldn't that just be so much easier I've heard people say, and I may have said it a few times myself, you know, if only God would appear to me and tell me what to do, I'd do it. Sounds appealing, but it might be harder than we think. God certainly didn't tell the Israelites a whole lot of stuff about what was going to happen between Egypt and the Promised Land. And it's interesting because even though they had the visible, tangible, seeing evidence of God and the words of God through Moses... They still didn't follow properly, did they? They mumbled and grumbled about the journey and the hardships that they had to endure. Already, they were feeling entitled around their faith, that God should be making it easy for them. And God had just delivered them from some 430 years of slavery in Egypt, where they experienced generations of horrendous conditions, terrible uh, uh, life, and not long into their journey to the promised land, the land of milk and honey... As soon as the going got tough, they started thinking, gee, wasn't it a lot better back in the old days in Egypt? Following God, 
always seems to involve some side trips and unexpected detours along the way, which is not to say that God isn't sure where God is going, but but we're the ones who seem to be deficient in this area. And sometimes I think that that we assume that if we could just get our spiritual acts together, if we could just, you know, pray hard enough and memorize enough scripture and, and put in enough hours in the church, then the path would be straight and level and even and, and easy to follow. But I, I'm not sure God works that way. The path for the Israelites was windy and long because God needed time to try to teach them about trust and dependence. It's why, for example, God gave them manna one day at a time. Enough for one day. You can't store it up. You can't save it. You can't sell it to your neighbors. Now, they got two portions on the day before the Sabbath to keep the Sabbath law holy. But God was trying to teach them a daily dependence, each day seeking to discern how God wanted to lead them. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were on a trip to the Gas Bay, beautiful part of the world, and we drove along the south shore of the St. Lawrence River, fabulous drive. And we saw a lot of ships coming down the St. Lawrence, uh, heading down maybe to the locks at St. Catharines on their way to pick up or drop off their stuff, maybe going up to Thunder Bay. And today they use GPS to navigate the sections of the river. And there's a particularly challenging section between Montreal and Kingston where there uh, are about a thousand islands that's what it's called, uh, that they have to steer around. Well, back in the days when there was no GPS, they required something else to do. So in order to steer a ship safely around the islands, the captain would be guided by lights on a shore. So you'd be, you'd be heading down, and there's an island in front of you, and over there you'd see a light. So you'd steer the ship towards that light. You went right towards the shore. And then when you got past the island, there'd be a light on the other side. And then you'd head towards that light. And then you'd get past the island, there'd be another light, and you would follow the light. You had to trust that the light was leading you in the right direction. You don't get to see the whole diagram. You have to trust that you're being guided. And it's it's an intriguing metaphor for the Christian life as we seek to follow our light of the world, who rarely lays out a straight path before us. When Jesus, after his resurrection, was preparing to ascend into heaven, he met with his disciples. And and before he ascended into heaven, they said to him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What's your plan? What's going to happen? We need to know what to do. And listen to his reply. It is not for you to know the dates or times the Father has set by his own authority. It's not for us to know ahead of time. God doesn't generally do that. And you know what? That's actually a good thing. If we knew, if I knew what I was going to go through in 40 years of ministry, if that would have been laid out ahead of time, I would have had to pause. (laughs) I would have had to pause. I'm not sure I want to read Rob Patterson along the way. You never know. Spirit doesn't work that way. A man named Nicodemus came to Jesus, and Jesus said, The wind blows wherever it pleases. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, we're happy to follow God. Amen? We want to. We know it's the right thing to do. But we want God to lead clearly. And that's why discernment is such a crucial part of being a Christ follower. Lots of churches today engage in in goal-setting 
experiences. You maybe have done it here at this church. You maybe create or you refine your mission or your vision statement. You might end up with something like a five-year plan. And as a pastor, I'm involved in these experiences, and they're helpful. There's some good things that come out of it, except that we have to remember that God actually isn't constrained to follow the plan that we come up with. And five years is a long time. And a great deal can change in that time frame, and adjustments have to be made. Like the ships in the St. Lawrence, sometimes course corrections are essential, just as they are in our personal and corporate journeys of faith. God has given us guidance, but it's broad guidance. It's broad brushstrokes, if you will. Love your neighbor, love me, and make disciples. The great commandment and the great commission. They are the two great lighthouses, if you will, meant to guide us. But we are also called at the same time to practice a daily dependence upon God and to be listening carefully to what God has to say to us. Together, you and Rob and Sarah are engaging on a a joint adventure to share in ministry, to be faithful to the great commandment and the great commission. And together, congregation and staff will cooperate with the Spirit to be faithful to your call to make Christ visible here in your community and in the world around us. And you do so confident, confident in the guiding presence of God. You don't actually have a pillar of cloud to follow. You don't actually have a light on the shore to really look at, which is why I included that passage from Ephesians, which I would suggest gives us a beautifully articulated guiding principle that we can always remind ourselves of to keep on track. And it's all about love. It's all about love. You see, the great commandment, in my humble opinion, is more important than the Great Commission. That's why it's said first. Because you can't fulfill the Great Commission without love. In fact, you can't serve God in any meaningful way without love. And love is hard work. At least the love of Christ is hard work. Following it is what we're about, and the one we follow told us, among other things, for example, that it requires self-denial. It requires that we place our self-serving egos on hold long enough to discern the mind of Christ. You see, it's not primarily about what we think we should do, no matter how much thinking we put into it, or what the professional consultants tell us we should do, or what that successful-looking church down the road looks like. It's about relinquishing our agendas and our need to succeed and adopting a stance of humility. It requires that we agree together that our foremost priority is to pursue the will of God, wherever that may lead, and to be open to the possibilities to change direction along the way. When we look at the Israelites, they were very young in their faith. It was kind of like God had to lead them like children by the hand, and so God manifested the divine presence in a visible cloud to guide them. And still they struggled to trust. And I think the reality is is that we sometimes struggle to trust as well because we want something tangible and touchable. Now, the church in the Western world, as you probably know, is in decline. And there's significant anxiety and fear in many congregations. And that can put unreasonable expectations upon church leaders and laity alike. 
Which is why it's easy to fall prey to the, to the temptation to find the quick fix or the package program or the perfect five-year plan guaranteeing success. Well, I think you know and I know that there are no guarantees for success, especially as the church sometimes measures success, because it's not about quantity, it's, it's about quality. It's about depth, not breadth. And God never, ever called us to be successful, but to be faithful. And God's promise is to be with us, to provide grace sufficient for any situation, to amplify and multiply what we offer in humility, and to change lives from the inside out. As my good friend Sarah Patterson has often been heard to say, most of us are uncomfortable with ambiguity. But that seems to be the sphere in which God works. That's why it's called faith. Because we're never completely sure what's going to happen next. God didn't tell the Israelites it would take 40 years to get to the promised land. What God did tell them and showed them was that he would walk with them every step of the way. And so as you embark on your new adventure to do, to do uh, what God wants to you, be committed to love above all else. If you're ever in doubt about a decision you're making, ask, is this designed to bless and build up and encourage the people around me? Or is somebody going to get hurt? Somebody's going to get hurt? Stop. Pray. Take your time. When you love you will know more fully God's glorious riches. In loving, you will know that you will be strengthened with the Spirit's power in your inner beings. As you love, Christ will dwell more fully in your hearts. And together, you will be rooted and established in love and filled with the measure of the fullness of God. And if that vision doesn't get you excited about awaits, I can't imagine what would. Now, I believe this is a time in our church's history, in the Church of Christ, wonderful opportunity. The challenges that face us are significant, and the opportunities are plentiful. And we can't anymore rely on some uh, former system that worked or, or business as usual. There's just too much at stake. Today, we commit ourselves afresh to the God who we are told is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. According to his power at work within us, to this God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I'd like to invite Rob and Sarah to come join me at the front. This morning, we are commissioning Rob Patterson to the ministry of the gospel at Scott Street Mennonite Brethren Church. I will be challenging both Rob and Sarah and you, the congregation, to commit yourselves afresh to God and to each other in order to have a united and faithful ministry. It seems clear to all of us that Rob and Sarah have been called to this ministry by the Holy Spirit. Rob. It is my privilege to affirm the call of Scott Street Mission Brethren Church, asking you to serve as their lead pastor. They have recognized God's call on your life and now wish to express their commitment to the Lord and to the work God is doing through you here at Scott Street Mennonite Brethren Church. To signify this commitment, I want to ask you a few questions. 
Do you believe that the Lord has led you to be the lead pastor of SSMBC? Do you commit yourself to serve this congregation faithfully under the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Do you promise that you will endeavor to carry out all the responsibilities of a lead pastor, being careful to maintain an attitude and a lifestyle appropriate to a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And do you agree to serve in collaboration with the larger ministry of the Ontario Mennonite Brethren Church? And if so, please answer yes by the grace of God. Sarah, do you share Rob's conviction, and do you believe that God is calling you as a couple to minister in this congregation? Are you willing to accept this calling with all of its joys and challenges as being from the Lord, and to partner with Rob in prayer, burden-bearing, and celebration? And are you willing also to love and minister here at SSMBC as God provides the opportunities? If so, please answer yes by the grace of God. And do you, as a congregation, recognize that the ministry of a pastor is a God-given ministry? And do you believe that the Holy Spirit has called Rob and Sarah to do ministry among you? Do you assure them of your warm cooperation, your sincere prayer and support? And are you willing to accept their ministry in the spirit of Hebrews 13:17, which states, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as leaders who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. If you are willing to show your support and are able, please stand. We are called together by God into community, into love and openness, into vulnerability and trust. It is God who calls us. Therefore, let us commit in a posture of mutual submission with humility and love, that we will follow after Jesus together. And we read together what is on the screen. We the people... Amen. Please be seated. As lead pastor of Scott Street Mennonite Brethren Church... I receive your commitment with the humility and love of Christ and offer this commitment to you, the community of faith, that I will now serve. I commit to a posture of submission to the leadership of Christ, as well as the leadership of this church, recognizing that this will result in moments of me being challenged to make decisions of life-changing for the gospel. I commit to a posture of love for this community, recognizing that this will result in an ongoing relationship of support and encouragement rather than criticism and judgment. I commit to a posture of openness and learning, where my heart is free to learn from you, the community, recognizing that I have much to learn from those around me and that our Mennonite brethren heritage is rooted in the value of learning together. I commit to the journey of following Jesus with you, recognizing that this will lead me to a place of risk and cost for the sake of Christ's kingdom. And the congregation responds by saying, And so having committed ourselves to one another, Let us now commit ourselves to the one who was present 
in the waiting and uncertainty, who is present now in this time of anticipation, and who will continue to guide and lead you in the journey ahead. If you are able to, please stand together and we will read the words on the screen. We believe in Jesus Christ the Lord, who was promised to the people of Israel, who came in the flesh to dwell among us, who announced the coming of the rule of God, who gathered disciples and taught them, who died on the cross to free us from sin, who rose from the dead to give us life and hope, who reigns in heaven at the right hand of God, who comes to judge and bring justice to victory. We believe in God his Father, who raised him from the dead, who created and sustains the universe, who acts to deliver his people in times of need, who desires all people everywhere to be saved, who rules over the destinies of all people and nations, who continue to love his people even when they reject him. We believe in the Holy Spirit, who is the form of God present in the Church, who moves his people to faith and obedience, who is the guarantee of our deliverance, who assists those whom he renews in prayer, who guides us in discernment, who impels us to act together. We believe God has made us his people to invite others to follow Christ, to encourage one another to deeper commitment, to proclaim forgiveness of sins and hope, to reconcile us to God through word and deed, to bear witness to the power of love over hate, to proclaim Jesus the Lord over all, to meet the daily tasks of life with purpose, to suffer joyfully for the cause of light, to the ends of the earth, to the end of the age, to the praise of his glory. Amen. You may be seated. So to start, I just want to thank Reverend Burgess for those words, for encouraging us, for leading us through this induction service. And now it is uh, my pleasure to uh, kind of go through this part of welcome you into membership. And uh, to do that, uh, I've asked Kelly to be as part of a representative from staff and uh, myself. And uh, yeah, so I'm just, this is new to me too. And, uh, you know, but it's a joy. It's a joy to welcome new people here into the community at Scott Street. And I'm going to start by talking to you, Sarah. Um, Sarah, since the moment we met you, it was evident that you have been given the gift of caring and listening. You have taken the time to truly listen to us. You have shown the church family nothing but love. The aroma of Christ is all around you, and you create a safe place for people in a way that represents Christ well. And the verse that we as a leadership would like to share with you is from 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 and 15. In the Messiah... In Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent rising to God, 
which is recognized by those on the way of salvation, an aroma redolent with life. And Rob, since we first connected through the search committee, the board of elders, and the leadership team, there's always been a feeling of genuineness and sincerity about you. You have a deep love for all of God's people, both young and old. Not only do you take the time to listen well, but you also desire to mentor and to challenge, to raise people up to be more than just hearers of God's word, but doers as well. May your ministry and time with us be fruitful and always to the glory of God. And the verses that the leadership would like to leave with you is from Colossians 3, verses 16 and 17. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Now, Rob and Sarah, on behalf of the Board of Elders, I want to welcome you both into membership at Scott Street Church. <laughs> so I'd like to ask, um, oh, actually, at this moment, we're just going to take a pause, and Rob's going to say a couple of words. I wouldn't be here if it were not for two people, my mother and my father. So, <laughs> so I'd like to invite um, people from the board from the staff, their spouses, and also um, Pastor Mike. Um, we're going to spend some time laying of hands on Rob and Sarah, and uh, if we could do that now. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning thanking you again for the journey that, that you've led us through. Lord, um, as we were reminded this morning, it is not a straight journey. Lord, that you only reveal to us what you want us to see next. And in faith and in trust, we take that step towards that light, Lord. And then you reveal the next part of that journey to us, Lord. And we truly and honestly believe that this, this next step involves Rob and Sarah and what they can bring to our church, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the journey that they've been on and for the light that brought them here to Scott Street. And Lord, we thank you for each person here this morning. Lord, you have... You have led us all um, to work and to serve and to follow you. And this morning, we are here to um, intersect together. Lord, we thank you uh, for the challenge to always follow you, Lord, and also the reminder that we are all just frail human beings, Lord, and that we should always, always be quick to listen, Lord, but slow to react. Lord, may we always uh, be willing to be open to ask questions, Lord, of, of Pastor Rob and of Sarah and of the leadership, Lord. And may we, as leaders of this church, always be able to listen and to discern. And Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray for wisdom for Rob and Sarah, 
And, Lord, for each one of us, Lord, our desire is to follow you, Lord. And, and with your strength and with your guidance, Lord, we know that will happen. Lord, we can only do this through the power of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Gracious God, at this joyous occasion, we offer our thanks for your ceaseless provision, giving everything we need, for the gift of your people at Scott Street, gathered by your spirit for the work of your kingdom, for the sending of Rob and Sarah to serve, and for the gift of Christ's faithful, self-giving presence here in this congregation from generation to generation. Merciful God, we ask that you would continue the good work that you started in this congregation and in the lives of its members, that through the ministry of the word and the gathering of your church, your faithful presence to us would in turn make us faithfully present to one another and to our world. We ask that the blessing so lavishly poured out on this congregation and on Rob and Sarah's ministry through the work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit would be for your glory forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, this is the day that you have made, and we are rejoicing in it. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness, even in spite of our unfaithfulness so many times. We know that you are faithful. And, Father, not only do we pray blessing upon Rob and Sarah, we pray your blessing upon us as your people. Father, we ask that you would fan the flames of the gifts that you have placed within us that we would be bold and fearless in presenting uh, your good news to a hurting world around us. And so, Father, not only do we pray this blessing upon Pastor Rob and of Sarah, but on us as we continue to be the blessing that you would want us to be. And um, we just thank you and praise you because of Jesus. Amen. 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 And as I ask the worship team to come up, um, why don't we all just stand as we accept them into membership here? Following uh, the, the closing song and a word of benediction from Pastor Rob, as is tradition, Rob and Sarah will stand up here at the front and we will welcome them into membership here at Scott Street. So. Thank you for listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.